The zombie KO'd Moicano Will JDS KO and Gano With the fight selections and the fight reflections This is fighting with myself Oh 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 fighting with myself Oh 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 yeah What is up everybody? Welcome to the Fighting With Myself podcast The podcast for the average MMA fan Hosted by an above average man And I am that man my name is Juice, and welcome. Now, is Ngano the right pronunciation? No. But I will not let the truth get in the way of a good rhyme. Okay? So that's how we're starting off. Man, what an amazing weekend of fights we had. UFC, Bellator, and that circus we like to call Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship. If you can even call it that. I just call it Bare Knuckle Boxing. Dude. I'm not the kind of person who is able to do that multi-screen bullshit and have a fucking TV and a laptop and a phone stream and, and do all three at the same time. I get overwhelmed. I will miss shit. So I'm going to be honest. I just focused on the UFC, and I caught the main event of, of Bare Knuckle. I was like, I'm not missing that. But holy shit. There were incredible fights in all three promotions. I mean, just, just from what I've seen of the highlights of Bellator... Like, I made a mistake not being able to watch that card. You know what I mean? Uh, crazy. But, that said, were there just as good, if not better, fights in the UFC? Yes. And this is one of those cards that flew under the radar. A lot of people were kind of like, you know, or people that were like in um, South Carolina or that area that had planned to make a trip, and then when they announced the main event and everything, they were just like <sighs> kind of rolling their eyes and canceling their plans. I was like, dude, this is, like, as far as rankings and title implications and everything like that, it wasn't a deep card. It wasn't, like, an important card or whatever. But the matchups, if you follow them and if you are a fan of these people, great. Like, already on paper, you knew that. And, and it fucking delivered. I mean, holy shit. Molly McCann. Dude, if you don't like Molly McCann, you're for sure a Luke Rockhold fan. For sure. I mean, how do you not love that woman? I mean, she's just incredible. The tenacity, the great. I mean, I mean, ever since losing her UFC debut, she was like, "I'm doing 100 days of jujitsu," which turned into 200 days. I mean, she's just like an animal in the gym, just working on everything. And, and I love how emotional she gets in the post fight. She's like, "Liverpool, this is for you. This is for me, coaches and me gym." I mean, she's just um, an absolute joy in, in inside of the cage right now. Gotta love it. She's like crying on Instagram, like, we made me dream come true again. I love it. I can't get enough Molly McCann. And like during the fight, my favorite part of the night, I mean, any moment of any of the fights, <laughs> Molly McCann gets a takedown and just waves to the crowd. <laughs> I mean, how gangster is that to, like, not care that your opponent might be able to take advantage of that and get a sweep or, or you know, get back to their feet or anything? Like, she's just like, hey, guys, like, just eating it up. And, like, no offense to anyone in the in the South Carolina area, Greenville, it's not exactly, like, the heart of America. It's not exactly, like, the, you know, best representation of, of like, the overall population of America. It's not, like, every, you know, it's not... 
like New York or LA. I'm just saying like a big, big ass city, but she was just like, I'm in America. <laughs> you know, she was just like loving it. She's like, and the Greenville fans were just shouting meatball, meatball. I mean, they're both European. So no, no one was looking on home turf, but God damn it. If that wasn't a home, t- uh, if that wasn't a meatball crowd, you know what I mean? And I just, I loved every second of it. I can't even remember what I was going to say. Um, oh, I was just saying how it was like cool that Bisping said that um, Molly was basically his new favorite fighter. He had said that after her last fight, and uh, he like doubled down on it on the uh, uh, commentary of this fight. He was just like, "Yeah, can't get enough." But I mean, every single fight was incredible. How opening the night with Duran Win just battering Eric Spicely. Man, kudos to Eric Spicely. First off, getting cut from the UFC. And not, you know, hanging his head really about it, you know, grinding it on the local promotions, getting a couple fights in in CES, and um, uh, even doing some indie wrestling, I believe, like indie pro wrestling. Gets gets the short notice call up. I guess his opponent dropped out. I think it was Bruno Silva at the time. Um, I guess he's had a few different opponents, um, and um, I guess his opponent got injured or whatever. They call up Eric Spicely. He's like, 11 days? No problem. And... I was worried that, like, if Eric Spicy lost, they would cut him again. Because they were just like, oh, we need an opponent for Duran Wynn. Let's, you know, whoever. But uh, Dana White put on Instagram, like, right after that fight, like, during the rest of the fights, he put on Instagram and said, if you guys missed that Wynn-Spicy fight, you missed out. What a way to open the card, gentlemen. And they ended up winning fight of the night. So I think uh, Eric Spicy is here to stay, at least for another fight in the UFC, which is fucking awesome that guy's hilarious and um um just puts it on the line you know he's not the like a world beater but um you know he's a hell of a nice guy online and really awesome so fucking love him and and this was kind of like this both this fight and the next fight card everywhere i go online it lists like three or four different orders of the the main card so this is just like like what the fuck is going on i I don't know anything so like some of the fights that i was breaking down last week and and give my picks for um well a some of them got canceled some of them didn't end up on the main card which is weird uh but we had ashley yoder defeating siri kondo which is uh which is what i predicted and that was kind of like like, if it was anyone else, she would have finished her. Like, Siri Kondo was just, like, not not going to quit. So Ashley Roder just fucking rode her back and pummeled the shit out of her to try and get the rear naked choke. Um, but Siri was, like, not having it. She just kept defending. And it sucks in those, like, lighter, you know, female weight classes. There's not a lot of, like, KO finishes or even TKO. So, uh, you know, you're just going to get those kind of fights every now and then where it's just, like, one person having a dominant position and just beating the crap out of the other one but every i mean every single fight everyone gave it their all um just to recap a little bit also kevin holland beating alessio de curico now if you thought alessio de curico had any chance of winning this fight who are you just 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 quick question who are you but actually (laughs) credit credit to alessio he, he put up more of a fight than i thought uh but kevin holland apparently um maybe halfway through the fight or 
I don't know if it was like beginning of the third round or end of the second round, he injured his shoulder, and I guess he was going for a takedown and, and only had use of one of his arms for the rest of the fight. Still um, got a unanimous decision. I believe it was unanimous. Anyway, I thought he won, and uh, at least two of the judges agreed with me, but I think all three. Um, great post-fight interview. He was like, I didn't even hear. They were just crying like a baby. He's just crying like a baby over there. Kevin Holland's fun. Um, he's fun as hell. Next up, uh, Andrea Lee defeated uh, Montana De La Rosa. This is another uh, decision win, I believe. Awesome for, for Andrea Lee. I really I thought she had the skills to do it, but the only like thing that I was questioning was uh was her mindset you know having to deal with them finding her husband after that whole chase of him being on the run and being basically a piece of shit so i was just kind of worried about that but um she gave an awesome little interview on the um, post fight show on the desk with um karen bryant who is the worst and um tyron woodley and um her daughter was at the fight or she she wanted her daughter to come but her daughter couldn't come is actually what happened and I was just like, man, there's a lot going on in her life. And she was able to just still um, get that win. It just shows her uh, mental toughness. Really, really awesome. I uh, I wonder what's next for her. I mean, maybe she'll get the winner of um, Roxy and um, Jennifer Maya, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. Uh, of course, Roxanne has a win over her dating back to the Invicta days. But um, she's also someone that they could be trying to push into a title shot because of her... F- you know, fun style, and that would be a, you know, a least somewhat fun fight, you know, as long as it will last against Valentina. I mean, really, all they do is just got to keep giving her lambs. That's kind of all, like, sacrificial lambs. That's kind of all we can do at this point with that women's flyweight division, but it is what it is. Um, the only one that I got wrong on this one, uh, as far as the main card goes, or, or fights that ended up on the main card from what I predicted was uh, was Brian Barberina and Randy Brown. Credit to Randy Brown. Um, I guess he took that Nico Price loss to heart, you know, in a good way, and kind of uh, just went back, sharpened his skills, and put a clinic on on uh, on Brian Barberina, like striking-wise, and was um, his takedown defense was, was on point. He even, um, and he was initiating some of the clinch stuff as well, so he wasn't, like, shying away from grappling. And I remember... <laughs> This awesome moment in probably in between the second and third round or one of the rounds. Um, he asked his corners, like, do you want more grappling? And they were like, fuck no. <laughs> You're beating the shit out of him. <laughs> You're a way better striker or something like that. It was just like, it was something that a, like a, a coach wouldn't necessarily say, like, not, not in that manner. It was something that, like, us sitting at home would be like, fuck no. <laughs> You're beating the shit out of him. Keep going. Which I thought was just fun to see. Man, I'm I'm bummed though. I'm really upset that we didn't get to see John Lineker and Rob Font uh, number two. That would have been a hell of a fight. Um, I liked Lineker in that fight, and uh, I guess he got an injury, some something about a cut on his eye opening up or something like that. An old, an old injury opened up, you know, a couple of days before the fight, and it was at that point too late to find a replacement. Of course, he was the replacement. Just like, what are you gonna do? Replace the replacement? That reminds me of a quick story. Uh, just to go off on a tangent real quick, um, I used to work in the car business, and we got this lead one time that was someone who had put in a credit application online to be a co-signer for someone else, and they had shit credit as well. It was like 400 <laughs> and my boss was pissed. He was this uh, Israeli guy, and he was like, 
put a note that says this is a cosine and the cosine need a cosine. <laughs> That's neither here nor there. <laughs> Lastly, just to recap the night real quick, uh, as far as USC Greenville goes, Korean Zombie beating Hanato Moikano, also something I predicted. Now, I thought it would be a back-and-forth war. I really did. I mean, both of these gentlemen are so tough. I thought it was going to be actually kind of similar to the Yair fight, but hopefully with Korean Zombie not fucking slipping on a banana peel at the end. And I thought it was going to either go the distance or maybe he would get like a late fourth or fifth round TKO. Nope. He fucking dropped him real quick, slipped across overhand right, and caught him with a left on the way down, which of course was unnecessary. He was already going down. Um, and then uh, credit to Hanato for hanging in there. And I guess the ref was like, I don't know, feeling a little bit of Yamasaki in him, was like, oh, I'm going to let this guy be a warrior. Because, dude, you could have stopped that fight right there. But he just, like, turtled up and covered up, and Korean Zombie just fucking rode that Brazilian and um, beat the crap out of him, basically, to get that TKO. And it was, like, under a minute, like 58 seconds. Um, I guess he's the only featherweight now to have two um, KOs under a minute or TKOs. Um, Of course, he got the, like, uh, nine-second or eight second or something like that um ko of mark hominick from back in the day korean zombie is um it's just a joy to watch i mean someone who's had like he had that long military layoff and he's had a couple layoffs due to injury so it seems like he never fights but it's not like someone who doesn't want to fight like most most of the reasons why we haven't seen this guy in the octagon a lot is because of the the uh, mandatory military service that they have to do in, in korea but I think he wants to get back in there sooner. They were talking on the post-fight show about him versus Aldo. I personally like him versus Zabit. Uh, for some reason, they haven't announced the Zabit versus Brian Ortega. It's not official anywhere. And um makes me think like something is uh, stalling on one of their ends. I would guess Ortega. I don't know, though. Just because um, I believe Ali is managed by Zabit. Or Zabit is managed by Ali. And uh, that motherfucker keeps shit moving as much as he is a sleazeball um he keeps you moving he's got a good relationship with the ufc and um i believe brian is managed by ed soros soros i don't know um you know anderson silva's manager president of lfa all that good shit um he seems like maybe they'd be the type type to kind of hold out and also brian maybe trying to get more payday after um getting brutalized by max holloway but uh anyway i think Actually, Zombie versus either of those guys is a great fight. Ortega or Zabit. Um, but fuck it. Give me... Uh, Phil, Phil the MMA dude was talking about this on Twitter. He's saying, you know... I saw this like just before I started to record. He was saying, you know, making Korean Zombie versus Volkanovski is unfair to Volkanovski, who's already in the tile shot. He said, but life isn't fair. Let's book it. And I wanted to like clap back and be like, no, motherfucker. You don't sacrifice one of those contenders. You keep Volkanovski. But I was like, shit, you're right life and especially mma is not fair they're probably gonna book that fight it makes me so mad but he's right now should you do that no and i think volkanovsky probably will hold out but it could bite him in the ass i mean the ufc does not really like to reward guys who wait uh although it has happened before you know tyron woodley waited for a title shot and got one um ortega waited for his title shot um just just a lot of stuff that um, can happen. Fuck. Now I'm like 
not wanting to jinx it. I think they're going to make a zombie versus Volkanovski. No. I mean, that's a great fight. So um, shouldn't shouldn't dwell on the negative. But really, Volkanovski is the kind of guy that deserves his due. I like when 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 fighters outside the UFC record matters. I like when you can say a guy's on a 17-fight win streak, which includes outside of the UFC. And not only that, he's put together like six or seven UFC wins in a row. Give the man a title shot. Just give it to him. And um, he rightly earned that and um, had it pulled out from under him by Elia Dalziz, really. Although the, t- the timing of him getting that um, blood infection, it kind of was like, well, we can't really book him anyway, so let's just give it to Frankie. So if he can take this time to recover and he can come back fresh for um, for the fight with Max, I hope that happens and not um, something. But, dude, Korean zombie versus Max Holloway is a hell of a fight as well. Like, you could do any of those any which way, and and I'd be in. So the featherweight division is suddenly looking very exciting. And I guess to uh, recap the the night of fights, just quickly mention a few things I saw um, from Bellator. Rafael Lovato, or it's Rafael, I think he's like Italian. Uh, Rafael Lovato Jr. getting the win over Gegard Musasi. Totally did not see that coming. Not in a way that I, like... I thought Musasi was going to walk right through him. I thought it was going to be a tough fight. I know how good um, Rafael is on the ground. Uh, And, you know, he's working on his striking as well. But I thought Gegard's defensive jiu-jitsu and defensive wrestling, um, plus his uh, superior striking, would really be the deciding factor. And nope. Certainly in those middle rounds where um, Musasi was having success. But um, really... um, it was enough for for Rafael to, to get uh, to get win three rounds and get the belt. They could do a, an immediate rematch, which would suck if you're uh, Machida, you know. But of course, Machida can uh, now he's the fucking number one contender at two five as well. He can he can go in and challenge Ryan Bader, which he already beat in the UFC. So uh, fucking a, Bellator. Oh, and Paul Daly bouncing back. Good for him. I mean, after that um, fight with MVP, I really was like, what are you what are you doing? Hey, Daly, chew doing? Going for those takedowns against Michael Venom Page. Get the fuck out of here. But how Eric Silva survived that flurry in the second round where he gets dropped by an uppercut and then a couple knees up against the fence, I was like, oh, my God, lesser men would have crumbled. That would have been over. So that was a hell of a fight between those guys just from what I saw. Again, I wasn't able to watch all of Bellator live. Sorry about it if you're a UK fan and you're really looking forward to the Bellator breakdown. That was a terrible dialect. But anyways, last thing I want to talk about is Artem Lobov. The GOAT. The Russian Hammer. The Siberian Express. Getting his hand raised against Pauli Malignaggi in a fight that we didn't know that we needed and certainly not the fight that we deserved in terms of how it played out. But dude, Malignaggi came in there he was like, "I'm gonna be like a, th- I'm gonna turn his face into a dartboard." And boy, did he fucking overspeak that. I mean, he was hitting him with body shots. He was darting him with his jab to the body that was like really working. But Arm doesn't give a fuck. Arm walks right through your jab to the body. And uh, this guy's so fucking delusional. His face is cut up. He's like, "I, got hit- I'm being honest. I got hit with one clean shot." One clean shot, dude. Your face looks like it was hit with a cheese grater. And I'm not saying Artem beat the fuck out of him, but Artem clearly landed enough to make it 
make it a fight and make it so that you definitely don't want to do bare knuckle boxing anymore. I mean, his fucking hands were destroyed. Did you guys see that poster press conference? Did you see Malaji looking like a lobster with his fucking claws? With his hands wrapped, dude? Get out of here. I mean, if anyone thought that Polly gave Connor a run for his money in those that sparring footage, I think we can all agree, after seeing his fight with Artem, he did not. And this is supposedly back then, supposedly that Polly against Connor was like, you know, off the couch basically. You know, he hadn't been training, hadn't been whatever. He just like did, you know, a bit of cardio to, to get in shape and then he didn't really train boxing. I there's not a doubt in my mind that that little clip we saw was exactly how the fight that 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 sparring session went. I mean, after after seeing his um his affair with uh with Artem, are you kidding me? No. No. I mean, it was a boring ass fight in terms of what we thought it was going to be. And G made a good point on Twitter. He's like, "Let's let's start, you know, let's start taking into account what's what's real hype and what's fake hype." as far as like how the fight's going to play out. Now, I did think that was pretty real hype uh, in terms of like how much they didn't like each other. Um, Polly's a bitch. Um, but yeah, there's, uh, there, there's a difference in, in how that manifests itself in the fight. And they definitely didn't like fight like they wanted to put extra fucking holes in each other's heads, as Genghis likes to say. That said, a world where Artem loses against Pauli Malignaggi is not a world I want to live in. So I am happy to be living in this world where Artem is, uh, where Artem is on top. And that's all I have to say about that. This, uh, honestly, was uh, one of the best fight night cards in a long time as far as UFC Greenville goes. I mean, every single fight was, was action-packed. Every single fight. Top to bottom. Great night of fights. And um, without further ado, let's get into some current events. Not a lot going on in the world of mixed martial arts as far as newsworthy stories that were coming out. But the stories that did come out, I got a lot to say. So let's get it started. Now, John Cavanaugh was on the Ariel Hawani show last Monday. And really interesting interview. Talked to him about Connor, which I'm not really interested in. And we're not going to talk about. But something he did talk about, which I thought was pretty cool, was that he is uh, restarting his uh, European fight night, kind of like a little sort of uh, regional promotion that he he started several years ago. But they've only had like a couple events, and uh, he's doing it in a different manner. So it's almost like those other ones don't even count. It's kind of like a new thing he's doing. He's starting uh, a one-night tournament. Uh, and it's going to be similar in structure, I guess, to the um, Invicta uh, Strawweight tournament that took place recently where they're going to fight. I think it's like one round each. And then, um, you know, so they'll only fight a maximum of five rounds, like if the, everyone gets through, you know. But uh, it's going to be 205 pounds, which is which is insane. Apparently, the, the, the guys that they've already got lined up for it uh, John Kavanaugh said most of them haven't been out of the first round, you know, in terms of like not out of it, like they never made it past the first round, like they, they their opponents didn't make it out of the first round, like they're most of them are like three and oh, five and oh, you know, young up and coming guys, and um, 
they end their fights early is what he's saying some some heavy heavy hitters and what's cool about it is the winner is going to get a guaranteed five fight deal with bellator which is awesome now john kavanaugh and spg they've got like 20 some guys in bellator which is awesome and bellator's really making a push for the european market the uk ireland and that part of the world so it's cool that bellator has kind of like their finger on the pulse of this stuff and they're able to give that um deal to him i that's a little bit of a conflict of interest as far as i'm concerned but i'm not gonna make us think about it because it's fucking awesome and i mean for to john Kavanaugh's point one of the reasons that he's starting this is because he's saying if you're in if you're in the uk if you're in ireland if you're in that part of the world um, there's not really a clear-cut path to getting into the UFC or getting into Bellator. You know, it's not like, you know, put together 10 wins and, and, and you can get in the UFC or put together these wins and you, you can get on the Contender Series. You can get on the Ultimate Fighter. There's not really that path in Europe so much as there is in, in the USA. But they've got to deal with Bellator where Bellator is willing to give the winner of this tournament a five-fight deal, which Bellator's 205-pound division is pretty shallow. So I can imagine why. I mean, they they definitely want. I I could even see them signing the number two guy, you know, whoever um, is like the runner up in this tournament. Maybe even some of the other um, people that you know from the semifinals or whatever. You know, they uh, they could use some good talent, depending on how those guys fight. It could it could end up being like a little European contender series, to be honest with you, for Bellator, which would be awesome. But really cool stuff, and I don't know when it is. I think it's in July. But I'm. Definitely going to be looking forward to it, and I'm. I hope it. Uh, I hope we can watch it. I hope we can stream it somewhere. Final legal stream. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Some not so good news. Macy Chasson, who is a UFC bantamweight, should be a featherweight, but that's a different story. She got her apartment demolished by a crane. I mean, this is just a terrible story that came out of uh, um, Dallas, Texas, where she's living and training. She trains with Fortis MMA with Safe Saud and those guys. And uh, I don't know the full details of the story, but basically she's chilling in her apartment after a training session, just feeding her dog, just got home, and all of a sudden she hears rumbles and uh, stuff's coming up from the ceiling. She's luckily, I think she said she was on the first floor. She was able to just like scoop up her dog and her car keys were already with her and just like get out of there. And they barely made it out. I, I guess they had, as far as the rest of the building, there was one fatality, which is terrible. And she's suing the shit out of this company. And rightly so she's suing, I guess the, um, I want to say the landlord or whomever the company is that owns the apartment because they're building the reason for that this crane was there in the first place. They were building another development next door to kind of expand. And the company that they hired, the construction company, has gotten several uh, violations or sanctions or whatever you want to call them for this type of shit. And how do you miss that? I mean, that's such a huge oversight. And you fucking cost someone their life. And... Um, she she literally said everything like she tried to go back and they're like no no you can't go back there this is all like you know it's not safe and it's basically a crime scene as well um she she can't get like her birth certificate or social security card she had to get all new stuff and had to go back to new orleans to live with her family which you know 
if you're going to be in New Orleans, not not the worst place to be. But she says she really needs to be in Dallas to get the proper training, which I get. You know, if you got a good uh, situation there, you don't want to leave it, and you're in the fucking UFC. It's not like you're just some some chick, some fighter. So that that was really tough to hear, and I enjoyed her interview talking about. It, it was very honest, very open, and uh, I was glad that she did with Ariel. She was said she said that she like right after it happened, she got contacted by like USA Today and Good Morning America and stuff, people that wanted to like do a story with her, and she was like, "No, I'm fucking, I'm in shock." She says she almost had like basically PTSD from it, and I I fucking would as well. Crane come down on my house while I'm in it with my dog, and I barely make it out alive. Are you kidding me? Shit, dude. But that sucks. I I hope I hope she comes out uh, stronger from it. But you never know. Took a weird turn. Okay. Now it's about to get even weirder because the the fucking news does not does not get better until we get to jail. But that's fine. So I I watched the Contender series this past week, and uh, it's not my first time. I I, I followed. You know, some of the first season, the Snoop cast was hilarious, although Snoop um, really sort of set us back a few years with the fucking comments that he, he had online and um, the terrible uh, commentary with Uriah being drunk. <laughs> it's terrible, but it was funny as shit, not going to lie. Uh, and, of course, we've gotten some great prospects out of it. Ian Heinish, I believe Julian Marquez as well, Juan Adams came from the Contender Series as well as his fucking opponent, who is a piece of shit. But this past contender series was awesome. And what originally, like, I put this out, I wanted to talk about something interesting, was that apparently Dana said that, with the, like, even in the past, but with the new center, the Apex, that they're, they're calling it, that he opened up for to, to host these events, he said anyone can just come watch. You don't need to buy a ticket. It's free, and you don't need to sign up, whatever. Just come watch. And I was like, that's such a casual thing to say. I'm certain they've turned people away before. Like, you can't just you can't just show up, can you? And he's like, well, yeah, apparently, according to you know Brett Okamoto talking to Dana White. And Brett said, well, what 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 happened? What well, what's going to happen if you know more people show up than our seats? And he just goes, well, that could get interesting. <laughs> I mean, what the hell? So if you're in the Vegas area, which shout out to you because that's my hometown. Uh, go. Watch the Contender Series on Tuesday nights. I mean, I, w- I would take advantage of that shit. Are you kidding me? But now, of course, everyone's going to be uh, on top of it, so come early for sure. Uh, but what I really want to talk about with this is Brandon Lochnane not getting a contract. And I know that, you know, it's not like every winner on the show is guaranteed a contract. It's not like they owe him anything. But it really was the slimy reason that Dana gave for not giving him a contract that that really just fucking grinded my gears. First off, this gentleman put on an amazing performance. And he's someone that has been grinding on the uh, European circuit for a long time. He actually, I think, was in the uh, Ultimate Fighter. I think it was the season that uh, Robert Whitaker ended up winning that was like, uh, you know, they did welterweights and lightweights. That was like Australia versus uh, the U.K., or it might have just been England specifically, but I think it was the UK. Uh, he got like a late notice call up to be on that and fought at 55, even though he's like, I guess, bantamweight or a featherweight. And he fought this gentleman named Bill Algeo. Hope I'm pronouncing that right, who is a local Jersey guy. I think he's a ring of combat champion and was the toughest opponent of anyone else in the card. Like the winners, 
you know, they all had the, you know, the easier opponent um, in terms of like credentials, experience, skill. Like this guy's a champion in the regional circuit and um, has had like, you know, 18 pro fights or something like that. Whereas like the only other one that um, had a really good opponent was uh, the heavyweight that ended up getting that nasty TKO from those leg kicks. But um, his opponent was like a former Olympic alternate wrestler. And um, he was like a seven to one favorite or something. And the guy got the, the upset win over him. So that was like the only, the closest one. But in terms of like skill level and experience, it was really like Bill Algio, you know, against Brendan Lochtane. And they put on, as far as like, see these contender series fights, they're fun because they know what Dana's looking for. They know people are looking for a finish. So, but, but sometimes they end up being sloppy. Like, it's not like, like, I enjoy a good brawl, but I enjoy a technical brawl as well. And I feel like it's, in terms of technique, Brendan Lochnane and Bill Algeo g- gave, like, the most technical brawl. And it, was, it you could call it a brawl as well. Like, they weren't, like, being safe, really. You know, they were they were throwing caution to the wind at times, and they were fucking slugging out. But in terms of technique, like, everything was sharp and solid and just really good display of MMA. Brendan out grappled him a little bit, and the guy's a jiu-jitsu black belt. You know, he got some nice takedowns and, and kind of control him up against the fence as well. And Dana said in his uh, little interview with Laura at the end when he announced the contracts, he's like, I'm looking for killers. And I'll tell you what you don't do. You don't get in a fight like that and go for a takedown in the last 10 seconds of the fight. And that really fucking pissed me off. If you don't want to give him a contract, don't give him a contract. And if you if you want only finishes, just say that. Just say I'm looking for finishes. Uh, it wasn't a finish, but it's a great fight. You know, you'll be back. But then he can turn around and gives a contract to a, another guy that got a, a decision win, who's like five and zero, and he's managed by Ali. Call it a conspiracy. Call it what you will. But I think there's a little bit of uh, quid pro quo there, if you know what I mean. That's probably not even um, applicable in this case, but I don't give a shit. I'm just, Dana is bugging the shit out of me right now. I mean, are you kidding me? That was just so, and Dana did that, does this thing, dude, where he just doubles down. He'll make some, like, ridiculous statement. The guy fucking puts on Instagram after the fight that he's pissing blood. And now, here's the thing. A lot of fighters piss blood after a fight. A lot of them. But it's because it's when they go into these these wars and he's saying if you if you think i didn't leave it all out there look at this fucking blood that i just pissed and that was a little fucking gross but whatever and dana is just like yeah he, he could be in the uc but i'm not giving him a contract because he fucking went for a takedown i mean come on dude come on that was just terrible i mean the guy is from manchester you you need more stars in that market in that part of the world, you know, Bisping's retired. Darren Till is getting knocked out and uh, stealing taxis and making weird-ass sweaty videos on Instagram and sending Colby Covington a picture of him taking a shit. Literally a mental case. And you got this guy who's funny, got the support of Tyson Fury, you know. It just blows my mind that he's just like, oh, you went for a takedown? Fuck you. Speaking of someone who came from the Contender Series, Sean O'Malley tests positive again, and this is like this is like the John Jones picogram situation. It's like pulsing or whatever. They're saying it's still in the system, but it's it stemmed from the original source. 
Uh, what? I mean, come on. And this is different than than John Jones, obviously, and it's something that he already got sanctioned for. But to say like, and and the picograms that are pulsing from uh, from John is is from Terinabal, which is an oral steroid, which is a fucking clear performance sensor. What Sean O'Malley is testing positive for is Osterine, which is not even that big of a deal, and he had like point zero zero eight grams or whatever in his system. You want to talk about dumb? Now, I'm all for clean sport, and I, I go back on this all the time because some stuff that they ban is actually beneficial, and I'd rather see these guys healthy, and there are certain things that, you know, certain studies that, you know, give more benefits to some performance-enhancing drugs that, that people just kind of, like, get, like, outraged about for no reason. But I'm in general, I'm, I'm for clean sport. But this whole USADA thing of just, like, Oh, you got something in your system that's on a list that we made that's like a mile long? You're out of here. Like, they're just canceling fights left and right. Sean O'Malley versus Marlon Vera is a great fight. They fucking moved an entire card for John Jones on six days' notice from Nevada to California. I, I put this on Twitter. Why can't they just fucking have uh, <laughs> Sean O'Malley and Marlon Vera fight in California in their same time slot, put it in a fucking room somewhere? Uh, put an octagon in there, put a cage in there, and film it live streaming to the arena and have everyone else fight so they stay on the card. So dumb. So dumb. Like, why? 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 0.008 grams of, 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 of Osterine and you can't fight? Get out of here, USADA. Get out of here. I hope John O'Malley doesn't become the fucking new John Jones. And just like just shit keeps happening every like every couple of years, like oh my God, some picograms are back, and they're definitely not going to give him the same treatment, like uh, whatever, whatever. I hope he can fight again this year and and they get it sorted out because these things happen all the time. It's probably too early to be talking about this, but it's just it's just really grinding my gears right now. But something that did make me happy, hoo boy, if you are listening to this. And you have not seen the video that Chell put out on his YouTube channel of him going in on Luke Thomas and Kevin Ioli to an extent. Pause this podcast, put a bookmark in it, go watch that video, and then come back. Dude, so it's also on his podcast as well. And I listen to his podcast not always like the minute it comes out. So I actually saw the video first. And the video is better because you see his expression. He's like leaned up against the headboard of his in his hotel room, uh, chilling, and just the expression, the body language, and the way he's like just throwing daggers at Luke. Oh my God, it's chilling. And the way the ending with silence, because when it's on his podcast, whenever he, um, when they edit it together, when he's um, doing the ending, he's like, I'm Chell Sonnen, and you are welcome. They have some like music in the background, but when it's on his YouTube channel, there's no music. So him at the end being like, I'm Chael Sonnen and you are welcome. And it just cuts the black. Oh my God. I love it. I love it. Uncle Chael fucking roasted Luke Thomas. He was like, apparently the comment that Luke made was that um, Chael Sonnen was a good fighter, but not a great fighter. And Chael just goes, 
So what is your definition of a great fighter, Luke? Have I beaten enough champions? Who else has a schedule? My last 13 fights were against world champions. I beat eight of them. Whatever, and he just lists off all his accolades. He talks about the the win he uh, got against Paulo Filo, who at the time was like the number one fighter in the world, and Paulo missed weight so they wouldn't give him the belt, which is a stupid rule that the commissions have. And he just goes in on Luke and just talks about his achievements. And this was like, like I was ha- kind of happy that Luke made that statement just in the fact that uh, Chael, I, th- I think without that, he wouldn't have necessarily wax poetic about his career in that in that way and i was looking forward to that and so i think this was a good callus for it and he he referenced the kevin ioli stuff too and he actually said guys kevin ioli just basically told the truth it was bad timing and and i i hate him for it but don't jump on him because all he did was tell the truth about my you know being tested positive and i was like damn okay but uh, if you ha- if you didn't see it, also his tweet against Kevin was fucking incredible. He said, "Actually, Kevster, I wasn't the worst drug cheat of my era. I was the best drug cheat of my era." Oh man! Now Kevin Ioli is a piece of shit, though. Some senile boxing writer who's trying to get in the MMA sphere. Get him out of here. Get him out of here. And that's what I have to say about that. I guess that's it for current events, but let's uh, talk about some fight announcements. It's really all centering around uh, this uh, card that just got announced for August. The UFC is going to um, Uruguay. You might say Uruguay if you're from America. You'd be wrong, but that's fine. Um, UFC Uruguay is uh, August 10th, and I believe this is the first time they're making it to that um, that country. They uh, recently went to um, Argentina. And um, they went to Chile as well, but I don't believe they've been to um, Uruguay. Now it's going to be it, it features Marina Rodriguez versus Ticia Torres and Veronica Macedo versus Rachel Ostevich. I just want to do that with the fucking only one that uh, didn't have a foreign name. But what I really want to talk about is the headliner. So to headline this card, they've got Valentina Shevchenko. Versus Liz Carmouche. Now, at least it's being headlined by a champion, but this pisses me off because now because they the WME has taken this whole stance about you know pay per views can only be headlined by title fights. Now we can't have a non title fight pay per view headliner. But now there are just so many fucking events now that they've got now this one and the one with Jessica and Zhang Wei Li Zhang uh, in China. Both non-pay-per-views headlined by a title fight uh, because they want a good, a good solid headliner for these cards. And I guess that they're a good, uh, good headliner as any. I mean, Valentina Shevchenko, though she's Russian, she lives in Peru. So she's right there and uh, can bring some of her fans over, I guess. Um, I don't believe Liz has any ties to South America or any, any part of that community, but it's more about Valentina, I guess. But still, it's kind of weird. And what it does is it pulls Liz from the fight with Roxy, which for a minute left Roxy without an opponent. And I was like, man, if they fucking cancel Roxanne Modafferi's fight, we riot. And by we, I mean me, because more than half of you listening to the podcast probably don't um, care as much about Roxy as I do. And that's fine. But you're an American, and that's fine. Roxanne, and let me just tell you something really quick. 
obviously I'm a big Roxanne Modafferi uh, fanboy, and I, I have no fucking problem admitting that. But let me tell you another thing that I love about Roxy, and why, like, even further, I will not ever go against her on any fight as far as, like, picking against her or anything. I will never, you know, always support her. I recently had surgery and uh, was out of work for a few days. My fucking friends, who are the best friends in the world, they got Roxanne. I guess she participates in this thing called Cameo, where you can... Uh, where you can pay and it's all just support the fighters or, you know, I don't know if they give some portion of a charity or whatever, but it's all a source of revenue for them. You can pay a certain amount and they'll make a video for you that, you know, you can dedicate to someone. My friends got Roxanne to, uh, to make a video, a personal one, wishing me well from my surgery and congratulating my wedding as well. I fucking could not keep my shit together when I saw that video. I still have it. I... Oh my god, I, I can't even talk about it right now, dude. I love Roxy, and I was just like, if they cancel this fight, I'm gonna take to the streets. I'm gonna show up at Dana White's desk and take a shit on his desk. So they pulled Liz Carmouche from that fight to fight Valentina Shevchenko. That's fine. Is Liz the only person to technically have a stoppage win over Valentina? Yes. Is it a weird TKO doctor stoppage from uh, some random fight in Russia? Yes. Is it ten years ago? Yes. Has Valentina Shevchenko gotten miles and miles and miles and miles better? Yes. Uh, I, I still think Liz can make it a, a somewhat competitive fight, but it's still just like, you know, another contender. Like, they, they could have easily gotten, you know, fucking, you know, wait wait for uh, Andrea Lee to, to get to get this fight, you know, could have put the winner of this fight against her. They kind of rush these uh, bookings, in my opinion. So, but one thing I do like about it you know, if I'm going to take a silver lining from it, is it means Roxy gets a rematch against Jennifer Maia. And this is weird. I just I just noticed this today when I was doing my prep for the show. The I think the te- the pronunciation of her name is Maia, but it's spelled the same way as Damian Maia. And I always just say Maia. They're both they're both Brazilian, I believe. So why do I like care so much about the pronunciation of Maia for Jennifer? And I'm like, yes, yeah, Damian Maia. <laughs> disrespectful but this is a, a a rematch from a fight that took place in invicta uh victa 19 2016 september and it was a split decision it was for the title maya was the champion and uh roxanne was the number one contender i don't remember like making a stink about it as far as like oh she got robbed or whatever i don't like i honestly can't remember much about the fight i remember it was a great fight i remember it was back and forth i remember obviously being emotional uh, but um, I don't remember thinking like she got robbed it was certainly close but some people do I think or at least they think she won maybe not it wasn't a robbery but they think she won and she gets a chance to erase that blemish on her record she got the chance against Barb Honchak and she did that successfully I think she could do it uh, here I think this is perfect timing I think she's uh, coming out of a fresh camp you know Liz beat Jennifer Maya Maya whatever uh, and uh it's a great fight, and I'm just happy that she's staying on the card, and that's happening uh, literally in less than a month. So that's that's awesome. So before I just keep rambling about my fucking love for Roxy, I'm going to get into some Twitter questions and some, some voice questions because you guys brought the heat, and I can't wait. 
All right, let's get started on these questions. I uh, just want to remind everyone that you can leave uh, a voice question anytime. It is the best way to leave a question because you can put your tone and inflection in it. You can hear your fucking voice. Uh, it's just a great addition to the show. I tweet out that link, uh, you know, usually the day before I record, but it's open anytime. It's anchor.fm slash fighting with myself slash message. And without further ado, um, let's hear our first question. Hey, baby, it's PTD from PTD Radio, baby, come on now. I'm watching this BKFC 6 car, baby, come on now. I want to know what you think. Why does Paula always look like he's got an erection and he's constipated at the same time, baby? Thanks. Oh, is that it? I think there's, I think there's more. Hold on, I think there's more. Hey, baby, it's PTD from PTD Radio, baby, come on now. I'm watching this BKFC 6 car, baby, come on now. I want to know what you think. Why does Paula always look like he's got an erection and he's constipated at the same time, baby, thanks. Oh, I couldn't quite hear what he said. Let's, let's just hear it one more time. Hey, baby, it's PTD from PTD Radio, baby, come on now. I'm watching this BKFC 6 car, baby, come on now. I want to know what you think. Why does Paula always look like he's got an erection and he's constipated at the same time, baby, thanks. <sighs> oh, man. When Pat sent that question in last night, I think I haven't stopped laughing. I maybe stopped laughing just before I started recording. And now I'm starting back up again. <laughs> that is the most accurate statement I've ever heard about Polly Malinaji. And I've heard a lot of accurate statements about Polly, like, no, oh, he sucks. Um, he's a bitch. Um, is it a two time world champion? at some point in his life in boxing, but the most accurate statement is that he looks like he's constipated and he has an erection at the same time. Are you kidding me? Oh, man. First of all, shout out to, to, to Pat and Cole from uh, from the MMA Scope podcast. Love that podcast. They're the shit. And um, two good old Louisiana boys just talking about MMA and, and the PTD radio shit. I, I can't get enough of it. But uh, to answer your question about why he looks that way, probably because it's true. For sure. <laughs> if you say the kinds of things that Polly says all the time, like, oh, MMA fans, they're stupid because in boxing we have all the deaths and, and they don't respect that. They don't respect the art of boxing. I mean, for sure you're constipated all the time if you say that. And now if you, if you obsess about Connor the way he has, if you obsess about that sparring footage the way he has, if you let Adrian Broner take your girl and your world title at the same time, for sure you you have an erection all the time. I mean, there's no way that's not true. Wow. Wow, if you think that's not true, go back and watch any interview with, with, with Polymenology with that in mind, with those goggles. Listen to this question. Just listen to it. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. Let's just listen to this part. Does Paula always look like he's got an erection and he's constipated at the same time, baby? Thanks. 
<laughs> I mean, picture that and go and go watch any interview with Polymology. I defy you to disagree with him. Oh my god. Oh my god. I can't. I can't. <laughs> That's incredible. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. We got a question from the MMA Marks. This is uh, Buddy and Ricky out of uh, the Baltimore area in Maryland. Dundalk. Whatever. I don't know much about Maryland. Sorry about it. But um, these guys are fucking awesome. You already know that if you listen to this podcast. And you should listen to theirs. What? Up, Juice. This is MMA Marks here. I'm Ricky. I'm Buddy. You know that. <laughs> we got two questions for you. My question up front is, what did you think about Darren Wynn? Do you think he has enough skills to last in the 185 division, only being five foot six? And did you... I just want to stop because they have, like, fucking three questions so as far as Duran win absolutely and i was a little bit um hesitant i mean i did see his fight with tom lawler which was at 205 if you can believe it and he i mean it was a very similar fight actually but uh i wasn't sure how he was gonna handle the weight cut he said he wrestled at like um it's, it's kilograms, so it doesn't. I don't know exactly what the pounds were, but I think it translates to like 187 pounds, 189, somewhere in that ballpark. And so he, of course, has to make 186 or 185 for a title. And I don't know how long he can consistently make this weight because he is, like Ricky said, 5'6". I mean, if you guys saw the fight, you'll know what I'm talking about, which is, by the way, the same height as Chad Mendez, who's a featherweight. But he's, in his own words, a thick boy. He is He is stocky as hell. Um, but dude, that puts him in right in position to land these fucking hooks to the body, which were, which were lighting Eric Spicely up all night. And, and, uh, really his ability to, to close distance again inside from being a wrestler and he can probably take anyone down if he, if he wanted to, he could really be a problem in that division. The only way I, I see it being a problem, you know, is for someone like maybe Ian Heinish or Derek Brunson, who I think they're actually fighting each other. That's a great fight. But someone who can stop the takedowns. Although he didn't really take Eric Spicely down. But um, but I think those guys in particular pose more of a threat in the striking department than Eric Spicely does. So that's probably the reason for that. Damn. A lot of fun fights for for Deron Winter 185, but I don't, I don't see the hype being. I mean, on paper, yeah, but as far as what we saw last night, I can't see it being too much of a problem. I mean, probably eventually, certainly against probably the champion or Adesanya, someone who really knows how to use their range and and keep them on the outside. But for now, dude, I think he's I think he's gonna make some waves. Do like. Uh... Molly McCann's Ali Shuffle. His buddy with his second question. First of all, that was your second question. Then buddy's question is going to be the third question, but that's um, that's just, that's a different point altogether. But dude, of course, I mean you heard the recap already by this point of of last night's fights. But her Ali Shuffle, I loved everything about that performance. There was not a single second where I wasn't entertained. That was just a, a joy to watch. Every single moment, I. I I'm such a Molly McCann fanboy. Like, I don't give a shit. Uh, like, everything she lands, I'm like, yeah! 
Like, even if it's not really doing that much damage, it's like, oh, fuck yeah. But, yeah, the uh, I, I couldn't get off of that Ollie shuffle. Like, just her not giving a fuck. I think that was late in the fight, probably, like, late second round or, or like, mid-third round. And her doing the Max Holloway, dude, which I forgot about her pointing to the floor at the last 10 seconds with blood all over her face. Come on. If you don't like Molly McCann, for sure you eat your own toy nose. I mean, for sure. All right, last, last, last question for the MMA marks. Yeah. Well, my only question. Um, I was gonna say, who do you think is next for Luis Pena? Uh, he just fought Matt Wyman, who's kind of he's possibly washed up. You know, he hasn't fought in a long time. Um, I think he needs some harder competition. So who's next? Now, this is an interesting question. This is something I didn't talk about in the recap a little bit, so I'm glad he brought it up. Uh, Matt Wyman is a hell of a fighter, and he was coming off of like a four- or five-year layoff. Uh, I think it's a four-year. I think he last fought in 2014 against Ike um, Valley Flag. And um, he he wasn't like retired. I think he just like said, I need some time, and then never gave a return date. And it's just taking this time. So I think if anything of what might may have been perceived as washed up is more so like, you know, ring rust or octagon rust, whatever you want to call it. Because he gave a hell of an account of, of, of himself. I think Lewis Payne is that good that he can, you know, use his range and he has nasty uh, elbows and knees. Uh, he, he was cutting him up so much so that Dan Rigliotta brought the doctor in twice and Matt was like, no, come on. I'm fighting. Stop. Get out of here. Get out of here, doctor. Dude. Matt, Matt Wyman should not be hanging his hat on that performance. I think I think he it sounds like he, you know, wants to get back in there just just from his mentality going before the fight. I don't think he was like looking to get like one and done. I, I certainly hope not. Uh so I mean, it's certainly a guy at the maybe tail end of his career as opposed to the beginning, so it's not like he's not I'm not, I'm not saying he's, like, fresh, but, you know, uh, I don't think the reason he lost to Luis Pena is that, that he's washed up. I think it's more so that Luis Pena is that good. And to answer your question of what's next, give him someone like... I, mean, he's not, I don't think he's ready for the top 15 yet. He also should stay at 155. Um, that whole experiment of featherweight was a bad idea. Um, I also read somewhere some podcasts that were saying that he, he apparently said he could make Bantamweight. Oh, so delusional. I mean, what? What's up with all these guys that use George Locker being like, yeah, I can make 125 and I'm a heavyweight. I mean, they just like, uh, just stop with the fucking weight cutting. Are you kidding me? Just fight at your natural weight. Jesus. Stop trying to kill yourself to just beat up on smaller guys. That's a separate issue. Uh, as far as what's next for Lewis, I keep dancing on this question because I'm not entirely sure of how to answer it because that 155 division is so stacked. And, I mean, here's a guy. I mean, yes, he almost made 45. He got down to, like, 148. So he's not exactly, like, a guy that's in between 155 and 170, but he's a he's definitely a guy that, that could benefit from a 165-pound division. If nothing else, it, it would it would make the the line to, to 155 to the top 10 it would make it shorter for him i mean for sure all of those like guys like kevin lee and rda and stuff they would they would go into there and and maybe cerrone would go to that 165 so 
um, that he could benefit from that. But do I think maybe give him the winner of uh, of James Vick and Dan Hooker? I know they're they're in the top fifteen, so that's not exactly like avoiding the top fifteen, but uh, that's sort of just kind of scratching the surface on it. I would even love to see him against someone like Francisco Trinaldo. That's a fun fight as well. And I know he trains at AKA, but maybe one of those Dagestani guys that were just going to try and wrestle fuck him. I think he actually has good takedown defense and um, and good uh, scrambles. Matt Wyman got a nice takedown off of him, and he reversed it quick. I was like, damn. Plus, he was like weaving in and out of those um, heel hook attempts. That was a really good performance by Luis Pena. I mean, damn. So I guess we'll see. I mean, to be honest, that this matchup with Matt Wyman kind of came out of nowhere. So he's kind of like so early in his career. I think he's like what six and zero at this point that uh, they shouldn't try and rush him. So let him let him build his way up slowly. You know, give him another fight outside of the top fifteen. Next up, uh, we got. Uh, Want to let him introduce himself? What's up, Fighting With Myself podcast? This is Roni Noseblow coming back at you. Um, tonight, we had some amazing fights on the card, dude. I really wish I could have gotten in tonight. Sucks that I didn't, but shit happens. Move on from it. My question for you now is, with Morcano's second loss in a row, his third in the UFC, I believe, what does that do for his future at featherweight? Interesting question. And I love this, one of the things I love about these voice messages is that you have to name it when you're sending it in. And he named his he he put the title as "Bury the Scamming Bitch." Now he referenced it earlier. Said, "I wish I could have gotten in." This gentleman messaged me. He said uh, he was he was trying to get some tickets to go see the fights live. I guess he's in that area. And uh, he said he found some. I hope he doesn't mind me telling the story real quick. Um, he said he found some tickets off Facebook, and it turned to be a scam. And I was like, "You gotta bury that motherfucker," because I guess he got his personal info. Like, dude, stop doing that. If you're if you're if you're one of those fucking people that are trying to scam people with fake tickets, don't don't do that. It's terrible. That said, sorry you didn't make it, and I hope that you at least got to to watch the fights on ESPN Plus. Now, what's next for Moicano? So he did, he had the loss against Ortega, which was a guillotine late in the third round. It was like almost at the end of the fight, which is really Ortega's specialty is pulling out wins out of the last second. And he bounced back, had a couple nice wins against Calvin Cater. You know, he had the TKO loss to Aldo, and this loss to Korean Zombie now puts him at like two two losses in a row. But I don't think he's necessarily like like I'm not ready to close the chapter on Moicano as by the way. Now if he had gotten the win, he's all of a sudden like back in that title picture maybe like one or two wins away from it, but uh I don't think he's I don't think he's done by any means. He's still young in his career and I think for sure if they can get him a a nice win uh I'm trying to think of who's in that division that would be a good matchup for him. I mean really really anyone in that um in that top 10 I think Moicano still has a has a great chance against I don't I don't think he's like going to climb too far down the ladder maybe they're pushing him too fast a little bit but again Korean Zombie it's just that good so 
Yeah, Featherweight's really interesting, but... Ooh, maybe Moicano and Zabit is a fun fight. Moicano and Yair. Damn, that's a fun fight, Moicano and Yair Rodriguez. But, of course, Yair is coming off a win. He's like, it was a knockout of the year. I deserve a top 10. He's probably going to say that that shit. He definitely said that when he um, when he didn't uh, take the Zabit, the Zabit fight. Can I just say, that whole thing was a little weird. I mean, he was supposed to fight Zabit. He's coming, he was coming off a loss to Frankie Edgar. He was supposed to fight Zabit, and then he puts out a tweet that said, or it was announced that he was going to fight Zabit at, I believe it was 228 or whatever that card in LA was around that time that Demetrius uh, fought Cejudo and won. <laughs> won. Um, but when he was like, uh, fake news, he put a tweet that said, fake news. And then they cut him, and Dana puts a tweet that says, real news, which was a sick burn, even though Dana's a fucking asshole sometimes. That was a sick burn. And then. He does this interview with Ariel that was like, I was coming off the loss, but I thought I still deserve a top 10. That's what I think. And so I said, I deserve a top 10. And they were not going to give me. So I said, okay, let's do it in Russia. That's such a weird thing to say, dude. I say, oh, you won't, you won't give me, uh, you won't give me more money for this fight? Then let's, let, let's do it in Russia. Like, oh, oh, you're not going to give me what I want? Then, then let's make the circumstances even worse. I mean, What? That was weird as fuck. But then he comes back, gets the uh, re-signs as a replacement for Frankie Edgar. It was supposed to be Frankie versus the zombie at that card in Denver last year. And it puts on, yeah, probably fight of the year candidate last year. That was a hell of a fight. I mean, I rewatched that last week to just get pumped for these fights. And that was such a good fight. I remember like thinking like, oh man, it sucks for zombie because he was winning up until that last second knockout. But when I rewatched it, I was like, that was a case for maybe yeah i mean that could have been a split decision if it had gone the full thing like that that could have been you know yair's fight as well it was a really close fight but i think because of that yair's going to be picky about fights again and i i don't know if he'll take uh moicano off a loss although moicano is ranked higher so maybe he will that was a word tangent by yair rodriguez but you know if you're going to mention the zombie you got to mention that fight so it is what it is, as the champ likes to say. All right, next up, we got another another staple of the show. Hey there, Fighting With Myself podcast. It's Smokey J here from Australia. Oh, great. He decided to uh, introduce himself before the bomb. Work. This is great. Last week, I asked you about the bare knuckle boxing and what you thought about the matchup between Polly Malinaji and Adam Lobov. So I'm going to have to follow that up. It was a good fight, but I thought that Malinaji looked and fought like a scared little bitch, like he wasn't completely comfortable in there. And Adam respected Polly's boxing way too much, which caused him to not pull the trigger as effectively as he could have. That short reach didn't help either. The biggest thing that I took away from that fight is that Jason Knight is the true bad knuckle boxing dude to look out for because he brings the fucking excitement. What did you think of that fight between Polly and Autumn, man? That's all. Bye. I love it. Smokey J is the man. Doesn't give a fuck. And yeah, absolutely. And here's what I think. So I, I, I touched on it a little bit, but now that you bring it up, I wanted to kind of go a little bit deeper into it. So Polly, I think... I mean, at least the way his, his mindset works, if, if we're to believe anything he says, he was really, like, defending the integrity of boxing. And I think he was out to prove 
that like superior footwork and angles and 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 the sweet science of boxing uh, can prevail even in these like bare knuckle situations and with with bare knuckle boxing you can you can do a collar tie which they don't allow in boxing but if you clinch like in boxing a rest of the ref's going to separate it and a lot of the times when Artem was having success and getting on the inside Polly would just clinch so that the ref could separate him so like as far as when you say Artem respected Polly's boxing a little bit too much I think yes a little bit but I also think like Artem touched on this in the post fight interview I think he said he wanted to make it a boxing match to prove that he could beat a boxer in in a boxing match which I thought was interesting a little bit of like ego uh, which could have ultimately cost him the fight because it ended up being a somewhat close decision although I I was pretty sure Artem won when they announced the scores uh but mostly I think it was due to that clinching dude it was like at least two per round where he would you know land some some good shots and probably be like oh clinch oh clinch which far be it for me to to knock anyone's game plan if that's if that really was the game plan going in but dude for all the stuff he was saying, saying, I'm going to beat you worse than your father. I mean, come on. You definitely didn't fight like that. Bounce in and out with that jab to the body. Artem Lobov doesn't give a fuck about a jab to the body, dude. That's definitely the second time I've said it this episode. But whatever. All right. Last but not least, the man, the myth. The legend. It is. Would it look like fighting with myself? It's your boy Gangers, repping Asbury. Yesterday was a banger. Some great fights. Looking forward to next week. We got Nagano versus Dos Santos and Benavides versus Flamingo. Looking forward to both of the fights. What do you think's going to happen? What your boy knows he's going to bet on. All right, here's the thing, dude. That was awesome. Anytime Chris Genghis Black leaves a voice message on the podcast, you know it's going to be amazing because he's got probably the best voice in the world. Okay? Now, I'm looking forward to those fights as well. But in terms of my picks, those are the probably closest fights on the card. And I don't want to give you the wrong advice. And have you come after me if, if uh, I give you the wrong picks. But if you're listening to me and you think that uh, you want to uh, put your money on somewhere that I say, I would say probably don't. But I got, and I'll get into this in a second, um, just to qu- quickly preview my breakdown, I think Benavidez um, and uh, JDS take it. But I wouldn't be surprised if either of their opponents did. They are so close. Like I don't, I don't follow betting because of, you know, whatever. But um, I would say if there's a bet that, uh, you know, like, uh, like an over under of it, you know, lasting um, two rounds or like eight minutes. Sometimes they like to do like a round and a half. I would take that because uh, for for the main event specifically. Um, but uh, Benavidez probably gets it done. He's a lot more well rounded than Formiga. So that's that's probably a safer bet than the main event. Because heavyweights, dude, that's a coin flip. Especially with ones that hit as hard as they do. But if you gun to my head, which please don't. <laughs> I got JDS in the main event. But before we get into that, 
let's get into these Twitter questions. And thank you, everybody, for uh, for submitting these Twitter questions. They're great. But I'll even more thank you for those um, for those goddamn voice questions. That those are incredible. All right, mixed a man at mixed a man says. What is the main event fighter's spirit animals? I like this question a lot. Because <laughs> it's so random. And it's just what I need. Now, if we're talking great UFC Greenville, is Zombie an animal? Like, obviously, the fighter's real name is Chen Sung Jung. So we can say, is his spirit animal a zombie? But zombie's not really an animal. So I like to think, uh, I'm going to go Honey Badger. Because he just doesn't give a fuck. And you could run... Dude, one of my friends told me this story. But they were... Um, it was a truck driver, late at night. And a badger latched onto one of his wheels. Before he took off. And so he freaked out, slammed on the accelerator. Was hoping that it would jump off. The fucking badger held on and was still clawing his wheel. Dude, that's scary as fuck. And that's zombie. He's definitely a honey badger. Uh, Moicano, lamb, sacrificial lamb. That's fucking, that's disrespectful. But I can't think of anything else at the moment. But in terms of his normal fighting style, I'd say more like a fox, like elusive, kind of scrappy. That That's probably a good spiritual for from Moicano. If we're talking about bare knuckle FC... It's obvious who Artem is. He's the GOAT. And if we're talking about Pauli Malignaggi, I'm going to say Bunny Rabbit. Likes to bounce around. Likes to move in and out. Maybe a little bit scared. Yeah, Bunny Rabbit. And if we're talking Bellator London, obviously Gegard is uh, the moose. That's an easy one. Rafael Lovato? Raphael, god damn it, keep saying Raphael. I'm going to say Raphael, like people from the South would say. Raphael Lovato. Um, probably a boa constrictor. Or a fucking gorilla. He's just so strong. Damn. That's a great question. Hope I did it justice. All right. Um, Clay underscore Fitzgerald, the bearded stoner, says, Who's next for KZ? He's got a couple of questions, and they're all really fucking good, actually. Uh, so what's next for Korean Zombie, or who's next, rather? I hope Zabit, but like I said on the, on the post-fight show, they were saying Aldo, give me that fight. And I saw someone online that Jeremy Stevens called him out, and that is a fight that I would love to see as well. Dude, Jeremy Stevens? I thought there's a, there, there was a somewhat of a good case for Jeremy Stevens maybe getting a win over Zabit. I mean, that that was a pretty close fight. Everyone expected Zabit to be dominated. I think he's starting to show a little bit of, you know, a, a pressure fighter like that, like Jeremy Stevens, um, could give him problems. And uh, that certainly, Zombie fits the bill for that. Plus, his jiu-jitsu is way better than, than Stevens. But that said, Jeremy Stevens versus Korean Zombie, sign me up. I mean, Jeremy Stevens beat his uh, protege, uh, Du Hu Choi, the Korean Superboy, and uh, he's got to defend his honor. Not really. I don't care, but um, that's a hell of a fight. And then he says, uh, was Lipsky just a hype train that's been derailed? I'm going to say no, but I get what you're saying. 
I mean, you could you could make the case for that. I certainly think she was probably overhyped, um, but I think she's still a good fighter. I think she just like, you know, there the part of the world that she's from, there's not like a strong competition, so she was just like just wrecking bitches over in uh, KSW, I believe she was from, and so they rightly called her the Violence Queen. But she's still a fun fighter. I think I think just someone like JoJo and uh, Molly McCann, who don't give a fuck about getting hit in the head and have uh, you know good good striking, can really uh, and, and superior grappling. I think JoJo kind of beat her in the clinch battle in that fight, and certainly Molly got some takedowns, which wasn't even necessary. She was winning the striking exchanges, in my opinion, but she definitely sealed the rounds with those takedowns and and outscored her for sure. Uh, so I just think that those are like just bad matches for her. But Lipsky versus PVZ, I'll take Lipsky any day. Lipsky versus uh, Ostevich, I'll take Lipsky. I mean, there there's still some winnable fights for her in that division. And he says, does Duran win have the skills to climb the ladder and compete with the top ten? Uh, Ricky from the MMA Marks asked this, so I think yes, but when you be specific about that, about competing with the top ten that's a little tough because that middleweight top 10 is is really deep i mean you know him versus jack hermanson i i think that's a tough fight him versus kelvin gastelum another like stocky 85er um that size wise really could could be fighting at 170 uh i'd probably take gastelum in that fight i mean there are some tough matchups for him at the upper echelon of the division but i certainly think he's he's got the skills to to be a contender and make him interesting fights and he's only going to get better i mean he's he's like i think six and oh now maybe seven and oh so he's uh he's definitely going to do his growing in the ufc in terms of his skills we're going to see his his development you know fight to fight so it's a little early to say now and i hope they kind of give him a slow push so he can get there but there's definitely winnable fights for him at least in the top 15 if not the top 10 and he says, when are you going to eat your own ass? Okay, here's the thing. I did do that already. And a couple of episodes ago, he's probably new to the podcast, which thank you for joining. I really appreciate it. Um, a couple of episodes ago, I did say, if you want to see the uh, want to see that video, definitely DM me. I'm not going to post it out and just cover everyone's timeline with that. But if you're fucking really interested in that, um, that footage exists. Okay? So that's what I have to say about that. Um, but yeah, I did, I did do that. And, um, you know, he... People have seen it. They know what's up. Their lives are forever changed. Their eyes are scarred. So if you want that scarring, hit me up, bro. Okay? All right. S underscore C underscore Cassidy says, I think this gentleman's Scottish. Wife Artem Lobov had full-sized arms. Who would stand the chance? That was a decent Scottish dialect. Um, I was actually thinking about this today. What if, hear me out, what if I told you Artem has regular sized arms, he just has a really long torso? Take a look at our go right now, pull up a picture of Artem Lobov. His torso is really long. I think his arms just look small in comparison. People like to say his T-Rex arms, I think it's more so that he has a long torso. He certainly doesn't have like particularly long arms, but... If he had longer arms, who was in a chance? Nobody. That's who. Arm Lobov. Be wrecking people. 28 men have tried. Only 15 have succeeded. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs>
I love Arda. I don't give a fuck. And this gentleman, Bobby Hill, IRL, handle is Tranracial Angel. Okay. Says, just mentioned how grateful we are for such a stellar card. Not one fight was boring. Every single fight was packed with action. Even the one, quote, dull fight had a dude winning in the fight with one arm. Molly McCann, Ashley Oder, and Zombie looking amazing. War with Anderson and Yule. I forgot about uh, the Anderson Dos Santos and the Andre Yule fight, dude. That was amazing. Those guys put on a hell of a pace. Crazy fight. And yeah, you're right. I've already said it, but yeah, we are such, so grateful for these fights. Uh, fights like this are awesome. Oh, we added a violent Bob Ross looking great too. Yeah, we touched on that. Uh, incredible. I, I, I'm almost more excited for, for, for these kind of fights because it's something that, like, because of the fact that it doesn't have major implications, I don't have to feel so sorry for the losers. Like, I'm one of those people that gets too, probably too emotionally invested in, in certain fights like that. So, uh, give me give me a a crazy fight night with just incredible matchups that don't necessarily have major implications. I love that shit. At Shacks seventy seven says, "Zombie versus Ortega." Thoughts? Well, I've already kind of given my thoughts, but I don't want to just not answer your question because you did take them to write, and hopefully you take them to listen as well. Uh, my thoughts on it. So Brian Ortega. Because he lost to Max, there's this whole contingency of people saying, oh, he's overrated because the guy loses one fight. And here's the thing. Brian Ortega does lose the first two rounds sometimes and then pulls out a late finish in the third round. But he's definitely collecting data. He's looking for holes. He's finding his opening. He's a guy that knows he can finish it from any, from any position. I mean, he he got that beautiful flying knee against Clay Guida, which I saw live. I was so thankful for. That was fucking awesome. He had a, what was it, a TKO over Thiago Tavares in his, um, I think that was his debut. The guy's an animal. The guy's an animal. And his, his jiu-jitsu, I would put against anyone. I mean, for sure don't put him against, like, Ryan Hall or Kron Gracie because that just, like, their jiu-jitsu would just, like, nullify each other, and I don't think those would be very exciting fights. But... It's still it's still amazing. And Korean Zombie is a hell of a grappler. I mean, go on YouTube right now, anyone who's interested in this kind of thing. Do search Korean Zombie versus Henner Gracie. Of course, R-E-N-E-R, because he's sub-Brazilian, Henner Gracie. But Henner Gracie taught this uh, seminar. I think they were opening up a Gracie school in South Korea. And so we taught a seminar there, and Korean Zombie shows up and sort of out of nowhere, like, challenges him to, like, a quick grappling match. And Henner filmed it and uh, did some commentary. It was really cool. And uh, it was competitive. I mean, it was awesome to watch. Of course, it was, like, out of nowhere and whatever. But, you know, they're both the kind of fighters that, like, you know, stay ready, if that makes sense. You know, Henner, like, lives the jiu-jitsu lifestyle. So he's always down for that. And uh, it's fun. I mean, certainly, Henner wasn't outmatched by any means, but uh, uh, Zombie was holding his own, and that's that's uh, you know Ortega is really Henner's protege in that sense. He he gave him his black belt, so not to, not that that fight would go that way, just because obviously it's a straight jujitsu match, and and that's not really going to play into it because you, you can elbow, you can kick, you can whatever, but you know, it really comes down to tenth planet. Jiu-Jitsu versus Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. If you think about it, uh, 
Korean zombie, Chan Sung Jung, loves the twister. He said he was practicing that move for, for a while before he actually got on Leonard Garcia. So he, he loves that system. And I think he's got the striking to, to, to give Ortega some problems on the feet. I like Zombie in that fight, although I wouldn't count Ortega out at any point. So that's a hell of a matchup. Fucking A, man. Speaking of hell of matchups, we got an incredible fight card this weekend at uh, UFC Minneapolis. And let's break that down right quick. All right, UFC Minneapolis happening this weekend on big ESPN, which is to say it's the main ESPN, not ESPN2, and it's not ESPN+. I'll probably get the early prelims on ESPN+. Plus. But uh, this, is a, this is a pretty decent card. And um, again, trying to find what exactly the main card would be, because I'm not going to break down every single fight, and there was fucking four different uh, orders uh, that I found online, and um, that's really pissing me off. But I found one that um, was consistent across two, I think. And it's definitely the ones that I'm most interested in. So we're going to go with this one. And uh, that's what I'm sticking to. Now, originally, I wanted just to kind of give a overview of this fight card. And to sort of give my analysis of both fighters and, and what I could see happening in the fight. And where each could have good moments and not sort of give a prediction. But uh, Gang has kind of put me on the spot and said... Who do you got for the main and co-main? So I wanted to um, to honor that and uh, actually um, give give a prediction so that we can kind of stay with the theme of this podcast. Now, opening up the main card, we got Paul Craig versus Alonzo Menafield. And Alonzo Menafield is uh, undefeated and could give Paul Craig some problems. But am I going to pick against Paul Craig? No. Am I a big Bear Jew fan? Yes. I love that guy. I love his fucking post-fight interviews. Um, I love his jujitsu that can come out of nowhere and just rip dudes' arms off. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pick against uh, I'm gonna pick against Alonzo and I'm gonna pick Paul because I fucking love that guy. And uh, definitely Alonzo could give him problems. Not doubting that. But Paul Craig can win a fight from any position, really. With that jujitsu, as he said in his uh, post-fight interview against uh, uh, what was that gentleman's name, Magomed Ankalayev, he was like, "We've got that jujitsu; it's very dangerous. We've got to work on the strike." And and yeah, he does. And I hope he has. Uh, he showed a little bit in the uh, that last fight against Kennedy. Not going to pronounce his last name, but uh, he did get pieced up a little bit and had to um, had to get that armbar. Uh, so I hope that doesn't happen. I hope he doesn't get pieced up, but I do hope he gets a submission out of nowhere, which is the best. That's the best Paul Craig I want to see is the guy that uh, can weather a storm and then rip somebody's arm off. Now, next up, we got Polo Reyes taking on Drew Dober. And I did say that I was excited for this fight when it got announced. Specifically because Paulo Reyes. And I'm that's I'm, who I'm going to pick. Drew Dober's a good fighter. But I, you don't witness what I saw Paulo Reyes do to, to Maestro Dong Young Kim and not pick Paulo Reyes moving forward every time. I mean, that, that guy fucking bangs. And he trains with Dominic Cruz in, uh, in Lions in San Diego. 
which is one of the best cities in the world, in my opinion. I fucking love San Diego. Shout out to uh, Shane Terra said he's moving there. Hope he gets to train with those guys. That would be fucking awesome. Definitely let me know how that goes. But um, going back to this fight, um, Polo Reyes has got good takedown defense, and that's really Drew Dober's best weapon, I believe, is his, his wrestling. And Polo Reyes can, can keep it on the feet enough to, to probably get a TKO. So that's what I'm going to say. Now, this next fight is, is really even for me. These next couple fights are even. Like, this is where it gets hard. And I almost, like, I literally, when I was writing my notes, I wrote down one and then I changed it for, like, these next two. I f- for sure did that. Now, so Vince Pichel is taking on Roosevelt Roberts. And I, I almost picked Roosevelt because his last performance was really good. And, and, I, ex- and I kind of expected him to, to get an early finish against his opponent. But he actually had to overcome a lot of adversity. The other guy put a huge fight, uh, put up a, put up a great fight. And because that, I was like, man, I don't, I don't see, uh, Vince giving him a lot of problems, but what, what he did have to overcome in that fight mostly was a lot of submission attempts and like a lot of like deep guillotines and stuff like that. And Vince Pichel is, I think more of a striker and not that he, I think Roosevelt showed any weaknesses in stand up. I'm not trying to say that, but, Vince Pichel, in my opinion, the biggest weakness he showed was against Gregor Gillespie. And Gregor Gillespie can really do that to anybody. So because of that reason, because he's, I think, more battle-tested and just more of a tough son of a bitch, I'm going to take Vince Pichel. And I like unlike him in this fight a lot. Uh, he's, he's really fun to watch. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Vince. Uh, next up, we got Anthony Rocco Martin. Used to go by Tony Martin, taking on Damian Maya. And again, I almost picked Damian Maya. But, you know, Tony, formerly Tony, Anthony Rocco Martin, his jujitsu is is not anything to turn your nose about. He's a black belt in his own right, certainly not as accomplished or as um, experienced in jujitsu as Damian Maya, but he has more tools. Um, certainly Damian Maya really wants to get to the floor to the point where he'll pull half guard for an entire fight, uh, just to try and get you to the ground and just wrestle you down, like in, in a non-wrestling way, like just drag you down. And Rocco Martin really has the wrestling and the defensive jiu-jitsu to, to, I think, nullify Damian and to, to maybe even get a TKO. I mean, Damian Maya is tough as hell, but, uh, Anthony Martin is legit. And I think since moving up to welterweight, he's really found his home. He used to fight at 55. Um, and now he trains with the American top team and he's kind of putting it all together. And I just like the momentum he's on. Um, I think he's got a nice momentum and it's sad to say, but Damian Maya's sort of toward the end of his career. So this is definitely one of those matchups that they're looking for the, the young guy to push out the old guy as, as sad as that sounds. But again, I, I love Damian Maya. Would love it if he he win. That's awesome. So I'm not like truly invested in this, but I think I think Anthony gets it done. And this isn't these all these fights are so close. Like so, Joseph Benavidez is taking on Jussier Formiga in the co-main event. This is an number one contender fight. They've this is they've actually said like the winner of this should get the next fight at uh, the next title shot at flyweight, and that's not really set in stone. They can do whatever they want especially with Henry Henry Cejudo um, being a champ champ now, a double champ, whatever you want to call it. 
certainly not call him triple C. Um, but also because he, um, I guess he's going to have shoulder surgery. So he's going to be out for probably the rest of this year. And now that he, I mean, I hope to God they don't do another interim fight. That would just be, I mean, they're certainly not doing it with this one, but I wouldn't have been surprised if they offered it to those guys just to kind of make it a little bit, a little bit more of a sexier fight, if that makes sense. Uh, I like Joseph Benavides in this. Now, he does have a win over Cejudo on paper, but I've said before I did think Henry won that fight, but like because of the because of the fact that the record books say that, he should get the next title shot. Like he shouldn't have to fight Formiga. But Formiga's on a nice win streak of his own and he's been around a while. Has Joseph Benavides had like three title shots in Zufa? Yes. But he's one of those guys that I'll watch any day and you tell me he's fighting for the title, I'm watching. So, because he's more well-rounded, I think he's got more tools. Uh, Ju- Juicy is not a terrible striker, but his jiu-jitsu is really his biggest weapon, and that's what he's trying to do. And Justin Benavides has got, you know, very underrated jiu-jitsu and, and good wrestling. Uh, if Ray if Ray Borg can, can be Juicy Formiga, Benavides can be Formiga. That's the way I look at it. I know MMA math doesn't always work out, so I'm probably going to eat those words, but... God damn it! Don't hate me. Don't hate me, Genghis. If Joseph Benavides doesn't win, I don't know. God, so close. You know what? Time to sack up. Joseph Benavides will be Juicy Formiga. Write that down. All right. Fuck it. All right. Closing out the main card, headlining the night: Junior Santos versus Francis Ngannou. This is a fight that was supposed to happen at. Um, well, this time it was supposed to happen at 239. Uh, they moved it because of the, the whole fact that this card was supposed to be headlined by Tyron Woodley and Robbie Lawler, and that got canceled. But it was also supposed to happen at UFC, I believe, 215 in Edmonton, which was really close after um, GDS got knocked out by Stipe. I thought that was the wrong call. Um, this is also when we thought Francis Gunner was like on a tear and unbeatable, but uh, Stipe showed that. And that's what I was thinking about. Now, Ngannou's really got his confidence back. He KO'd Curtis Blade in under a minute. He KO'd Kane in, the, in under a minute, even though there's that whole controversy about the knee. Was it was it the knee? Was it a uh, shot to the back of the head? You know, that was a little bit of a weird finish. But because of what JDS showed in his last few fights, um, I really think... He can pull out that wrestling. He can he can get in the clinch. He can nullify Ngannou. And his cardio is, is certainly uh, better than Ngannou's. The fact that he's much more experienced in, in five-round fights, like not only being scheduled for, but going the distance. Like, go back and watch JDS versus Ben Rothwell. Dude, he put a clinic on, on Ben Rothwell. And I think we could see a similar fight. And JDS... Before Francis Ngannou got out of the UFC, when JDS was on his run to the title, he was the Francis Ngannou of, of, of that division at the time. He was knocking dudes out in the first round. Like, everyone he ran to before Roy Nelson was just getting KO'd stiff. So if you're ready to write off JDS, it's not completely out of nowhere, but I'm not ready to write him off yet. I think he can get it done against Francis Ngannou. And I think him versus DC is a more competitive fight than DC versus Ngannou. And uh, if Stipe wins, I'm definitely not interested in a, in a Stipe, Stipe JDS trilogy. 
but you could do it since JD has technically won the first one, and he's put together some wins since he last lost to Stipe. So I just like that that parity better. I'm gonna go with JDS. But mostly it, it comes down to the fact that he's more well-rounded and more tested in five-round fights. I think his cardio will hold up uh, against Nganu's. I think he can weather the storm a little bit, even though his chin has been tested. I think his defensive boxing and his um, his grappling, which is not world-class, but it's I would say better than Nganu's. I think that could give him the edge in this fight. And I'm going to go with JDS. So just to recap... I got Paul Craig beating Alonzo Menafield, Polo Reyes beating Drew Dober, Vince Pichel beating Rizal Roberts, Anthony Rocco Martin beating Damian Maya, and Joseph Benavides beating Juicy Formiga. And then JDS versus Tabit uh, Ngato. Don't hold me to these picks in terms of betting. But I will say, I don't have a bad record. Go back and listen to previous episodes. It's not bad. I killed on that Russia card. Are you kidding me? And with that, just my final thoughts. Thanks to everyone for supporting the podcast. Um, I'm probably one of the most um, interactive on Twitter when it comes to the other podcasts. I uh, I love talking about fights with everybody. That's why I started this podcast. That's why I started that Twitter account. Uh, really just to, to engage with fight fans. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, this is not a solo podcast. This is a this is a podcast for everyone. I just happen to be the host. Uh, you know, I want to have an open forum in that regard. And with that, I wanted to close out the uh, show with a little with a few reviews that I got uh, from the podcast, which just kind of goes into um, like what I said about um, wanting to make it an inclusive podcast. Soroni Noseblow, uh, shout out to that guy again. Uh, for leaving this awesome review. I really made my day when I saw this the other day. He said, um, the the title of the review is Both Hooks In, which is an incredible name. And he said, y'all listen up. Are you a fight fan who often suffers from postcard depression like myself? Well, I've got a cure that'll have you hooked quicker than a a bass, a bass, it's a terrible, I'm definitely not a fisher, on a bass staring down a worm. From his mystical fight predictions and enlightened card breakdowns to the juiciest, pun intended, MMA news, he proves himself as well-rounded of a podcaster as Mighty Mouse is a fighter. The question segment is guaranteed to keep you on your toes, and devotees from social media and friends of the podcast with voice messages offer further investigations into the MMA world and Juicy's life preferences. This is a podcast you can't miss out on. Uh, can't ask for a better review than that, huh? That was just that was just awesome. So, so thanks, uh, Cerrone Noseblow. If that's what you want to be called, I'll, I'll call you whatever you want. Thanks, man. That was incredible. On that note, if you are listening on Apple Podcast, leave your boy a five star review, huh? Only if you enjoy the podcast. If you didn't enjoy it, don't don't say terrible things. It'll hurt my feelings. And uh, why put that negativity on the world? If you're uh, just finding this podcast not from social media, definitely follow me on social media. It's at FWM underscore pod. Um, same on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to drop me an email, it's fightingwithmyselfpod at gmail.com. You can always send in the voice question again. You guys are the best. Love hearing from you guys. And uh, thanks again. This is Juicy signing out. And good night and good fights.